Our world is lost in unnecessary fear and hurt. Our systems seem scientifically engineered to make you small, powerless, and always waiting for the next great leader who will fix the problems around us. Worse, we're witnessing neighbor versus neighbor while warfare breaks out around our family tables. But you have access to a spirit, a strength that enlarges and empowers you. Even better, you don't need to wait for the next big movement. You can heal the world. It's time for governance by Grace. Welcome to Grace Archie with Jim Babka. Today is role reversal day. Yeah, I even put on this. black. <laughs> Usually, Bill Protzman is your moderator. He opens up the show and he asks the questions and I ramble on. But today we're going to give him the chance to ramble on. How's that sound? I'm going to ask the questions. I and, promise and not a, to ramble. Okay. Uh, no, you're not going to keep that promise. There's no way. Uh, it's too, you know, the temptation to do so is too, too great. It's like you get another thought and you want to go down it. True. I, I, I've been looking forward to this episode. We've talked about doing this for months. So, you know, behind the scenes, we have real lives and other jobs that we do. And some of my real uh, my jobs have gotten into the show, but we haven't yet had a chance to talk about yours, Bill. And it's an aspect of grace, honestly. This, so I've been looking forward to being able to get into this because uh, what we're going to get delivered to people today is a tool, a tool. So let me let me introduce you this time. Uh, Bill Prosman is the consulting educator and founder of Musimorphic.com. Musimorphic. Let me say that real slow. Muse e morphic dot com musimorphic m-u-s-i-m-o-r-p-h-i-c musimorphic.com we'll put that down in the show notes um he's also uh does some outreach through another podcast does he he's on two podcasts ladies and gentlemen he is the uh uh host or moderator at uh discussions of music healing and consciousness which is a little bit more of a dialogue than we have you're you're you know kind of partner with chris noble over there that's discussions of music, healing, and consciousness uh, over on our former network, the AHO uh, network, AHO. I want to know, uh, just a real quick, we're going to get into some of what we're, uh, we're going to get into some details as we go here today, but can we just start with something really, really simple? What is musimorphic? Well, it's a word I had to make up. I know you <laughs> love neologisms, right? So I do, I do. I, I, I used to be called, and the company is still uh, incorporated as Music Care Incorporated. Music Care got started because of my uh, volunteer work with people who are most at risk, veterans with post-traumatic stress, homeless people, addicts. And in that world, uh, care is very important. It's vital. Mm -hmm. But somewhere along the way, I realized that care wasn't enough anymore because care tends to think in clinical terms, in intervention terms, and like, how can we fix this? It doesn't think in future terms, like how can we really transform things so that this problem doesn't reoccur? And uh, I, I wanna give credit right here to the uh, Recording Academy here in the United States. You've heard of the Grammys. Uh, Recording Academy backs that and they have a not-for-profit called musiccare.org. And to be very clear about that and to separate what I do from what the Academy does, I had to make up a word. And that's musimorphic. Yes. So here we are, it's musimorphic. And uh, you got a little bit of why I started. I, I just believe, Jim, there's so much more to this thing than a fix it. 
that we can do and we can achieve in the world. So music, uh, just I want one more a personal bio note. You are yourself a musician. Uh, you play some instruments, some uh, quite competently. I, 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 uh, I've had a chance to watch you play piano, and it's 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 actually you're one of those pianists that is so good at your job that it's actually a pleasure to watch as well as to listen to you. So uh, tell us a little bit about your music background and your instrumentality. Oh, I was fortunate, I think, to have a mom who um, got education, got primary education in a way that was unique and also wanted to express that in her give back of music. So she was a piano player. And very early in my life, around three years old, she decided that I was going to be her first student. And uh, that turned into a lifelong, for my mom, many years of having a piano studio, dealing with kids that we would have diagnosed ADHD had we known, hmm. right? Um, I have a, a sort of semi-formal diagnosis. I've been tested to be chronically depressed and schizophrenic, and that sort of blows the scale at both ends. But um, I was an example of the kind of kid that mom was able to turn into success through her instruction in music. And uh, we all know what music does for kids, right? It just helps your brain develop and it helps your motor skills. It connects your motor skills and your visual skills and your auditory skills in the performance of uh, a piece of music. And so uh, that has helped so many kids. And mom's approach has been one that my sister now uh, continues in her music studio as well. Awesome. It's really a beautiful thing to have been a, like student one in that process. And it kind of worked, right? I, I kind of got started on that. That's awesome. That's awesome. I especially like the fact that your sister's carrying on the tradition. Blessing oh, yeah. for her. Music is a technology, right? Absolutely. Ancient one? Yes. Uh, I want to understand your commitment to it. I want to understand, you've begun to talk about your own personal story, but obviously you've seen more than just your own personal story here. So uh, it, help us understand your commitment to uh, music as an ancient technology for transformation. Very quickly, it saved my life. Uh, there was a time where I was suicidal and music is the thing that intervened with that. And I took my own medicine basically to, to see if it would have the effect on me that I had seen so many other times before. I've, I've had the privilege of watching thousands of at-risk people as they have transformed in this process. And the self-awareness that comes from using music and the, uh, the ability to objectify and to step outside of your problem and to see the future uh, the welcoming of faith, of spirituality, of grace uh, that happens when you're able to, to be in that place. Music takes you there. And I have not seen a medicine that does that. I've not seen a therapy that does that. Um, I, am, I am, as you probably can guess, uh, very familiar with things like meditation and prayer. And these things come close. But there's the missing piece. There's the piece that takes us over the edge, right? And music is that piece. And as I began, as I had evidence of that in my own life around me, surrounding me with the people I work with, I got curious and of course found all the science, thanks to music therapy, we have that now. 
uh, thanks to neurology, neuroscience, we have even more of it. And then I started to find the history and the history on this, uh, this it's like a survival tool, Jim, but the history on music goes back to the ancient Greeks and prior to that, where we have oracles who used music and used sound and rhythm as a healing modality. And uh, if that wasn't enough to reinvigorate my conviction in it, the experience of being alive today because of music sort of brought it home for me in a way and renewed my conviction in doing this as a as an offering to the world really because we need it right now more than anything the pandemic and, and is just one example it's not it's uh this idea of the you know you went back to ancient greece and 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 the the, the leaders in in that system at the time in, in worship or whatever it was that they were doing but it's it's it still happens in churches today right i mean people get together and they stand up and they sing i i have a tremendous soft spot for hymns because this is what i grew up with um, is part of it. And I, I've never lost my, my joy of them. And, and I, the thing I like about them so much at this age, aside from some of the words, uh, and, and the experience that it creates in me is that I can actually sing along to them. And I'm going to throw out a radical theory that I've got here. I, I think that some of the greatest songs are sung by some of the most moderate or average singers, right? I mean, you're not, you're not listening to Bob Dylan because of his tremendous vocal ability just for right, example, right? right? Yeah. That's not what you're getting out of that. But if you have the ability to sit and sing with the singer, I love great singers like Adele, like she could sing the phone book as they say, right? And But there's no way I could sing along, right? And so a hymn, you could pay, take out a hymn. And I'm especially, uh, just uh, the other day we were traveling and I was listening to Elvis Presley, which is the only things he won Grammys for was his hymns, right? And they're just amazing how great thou art. He, he touched me as one of the greatest like, performances ever and i sing along uh, in my car full i won't do it outside no one's going to get to hear it susie might be there but that's all the people that are going to get to see it or hear it uh but the ability to kind of sing along it does something it does it it changes the energy in the room i lead a public sing-along which is crazy but i do right every month it's saturday in the park and we all get uh, we got a big pa system there so we play the music and sing what kind along of attendance to. do you get at this oh you know we get five ten people it's not big Okay. But the five or 10 people who are there, you can see, I mean, if I took pictures at the beginning and took pictures at the end, you would see the transformation on everyone's face. That's awesome. the energy that comes in. It's the same thing you're describing, Jim. And we're singing secular music and we're singing the eighties. We're singing, you know, pop songs. We're singing Adele. It, it doesn't matter what we sing. It's the, it's the, the communal spirit changes. I would like to talk about a set of uh, events or places here in a moment, but I, when you and I were talking before the show, you used two words, and I don't think they're exactly the same, which is why you separated them with a, in the notes you sent me with two conjunctions. You put and and or when you were writing to me, transformation and or integration. So I'm assuming these are two different things. How does music transform? How does it integrate? Great question. The transformation I think we've just talked about, like singing in the shower, right? It just okay. changes the way that you are. All right. And that's sort of, you know, you can't help it in a way. Mm -hmm. Integration is a more directed use of music. So music works on us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It's all packaged in that one thing. Uh, this is why it's so much different than a medicine. With all four of those aspects engaged, you can do some real work. And yeah, you can intervene with stuff and you can, you know, get through your trauma and you can 
do that sort of work too. But I'm talking about what do you want? Like what would happen if you were able to engage music with the deepest desires that you have? That's integration. And that process is where, oh, man, it's so beautiful. I, I get to talk in recovery meetings for addicts, right? And, and I don't think anybody ever asks addicts, so what do you want? What's, what are your deepest desires beyond being sober? What are your deepest desires? Nobody really thinks of that stuff. And I think it's a crying shame the therapists don't ask those questions and help people to say, you know, what do you want? I don't want to fix my marriage. I want to go beyond that. I want to have this relationship that's, in, you know, that's incredible. Yeah. So that's integration. And when you start to think in those terms, you're really looking toward a possibility that doesn't exist for you right now. And the tool that music is allows you to get there in a holistic way, involving your mind, your body, your spirit, your soul, the whole thing goes together. And that's the beauty of integration with music. Um, you, you were uh, integrating uh, psychology, uh, meditation, contemplative prayer, mindset, and emotional intelligence. Like that, those are the things that you're looking to integrate. Well, I'm, I'm suggesting that music works below those, those things. So okay. all of those are sort of modalities, but if you engage some fuel, you can power those modalities to even bigger heights. So psychology is your thing. Let's integrate music with that and see how that changes everything for you. If meditation is your thing, let's integrate music. I know, integrate music with meditation. I'm trying to clear my mind, Bill. What the heck? Yeah, yeah. But getting below the head on all of that stuff is where music works. So if you can get to that point, and combine it with anything that you love to do or that you're already good at, you're going to get a pop that you can't even believe is possible for you. Okay. We're going to touch more on that in a second. I want to come back to some settings. And I had a chance to listen to a couple of your episodes, discussions of music, healing, and consciousness uh, with Chris Noble. And you said something during one of those, er one of the early episodes that really, really stuck in my head. Because uh, I know that you've dealt with uh, veterans who are uh, both Gulf War, you know, late uh, 1990 timeframe, but you've also dealt with Vietnam veterans. Right. And one of the things that you observed, and I want to see if I can evoke the same stuff out of you that you said, because I was so moved when I heard what you explained. And I thought it made so much sense. Um, one of the things th that the, the music that motivates an individual person in a specific setting to deal with a specific issue is going to vary from person to person. So like if you're if you're focused entirely on, okay, music as a structure has the following beats and notes, if that's your entire kind of obsession, let's see if I'm, I hope the nod means you're understanding where I'm going with this. If that's your entire obsession, you, you may be missing the point because one piece of music may actually sound beautiful to one person and excuse me, like crap to another. Like it doesn't do anything for them or they don't even like the music. And it's the same piece of music, objectively speaking. Correct, yes. So, Tell me about this. This is you're dealing with people who have trauma here, uh, but I think it's probably true across the board for everybody. Uh, sure. Kind of maybe the subjectivity of music. Yeah, the research suggests that it's the music that you love that's your most powerful music. So um, I'm going to pick a very charged piece of music for us in America here, the Star Spangled Banner. People hear that song in so many different ways. And it's obvious if you read the news that some of them hear it like Colin Kaepernick, for example, and some of it hear it like patriotic you know, military veterans. So the same song has a different effect and that's fine. But to try to fix a situation with a piece of music that triggers the person who's the subject of the fix isn't gonna work, right? It's just, it's, it's stupid. So what we have to do is turn that around and say, okay, so what's the music that you love that's going to unlock this thing for you? 
and uh, Vietnam era veterans have a whole variety of songs from the 60s that do that for them. And they're all kinds of music. There are some are anti-war, some are uh, pro-war, some are uh, very touching sort of isolated ballads that just mourn the loss of everything that was you before you got into the into service. So it's important. In fact, it's probably essential to learn what the music is that works and then use that as your tool rather than trying to impress on you some other you know, esoteric thing, as you said, that has a certain tempo and a certain sound and a structure, because that may in fact just not work at all, or worse, it could trigger you in a way that you don't want. That's fascinating. And, and, and I want to tie this into an experience I just recently had myself. So in April, uh, I have a friend who is a drummer for a band. His character is Dagon the Destroyer. He wouldn't want me to give out his name on air. Like he tries to keep his, 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 that persona separate from who he is as a person because it's a character, yeah. but it's industrial hard rock. Like this stuff is like, you know, you know, you know, the whole time. Right. Yeah. And, and I had a front row seat to this thing. I was the only guy in khaki pants in the building. Everybody else was dressed in black. Okay. <laughs> but I had a front row seat and I got to meet the lead singer briefly after the show was over and. And, and I know this gentleman quite well. He's just the sweetest guy. But, you know, he was playing a character up on stage and the music, like I listened, I watched like three or four of their videos. I even liked one of the songs. I did like it. Not my thing. But there was a wide range of people in age, older and younger than me. I mean, it ran the entire gamut. And clearly it's scratching some particular itch for those people. It's doing something that, and I'm going to go so, bold, so far as boldly to say, it's soothing them. Even yeah. though this music is like, nails down a chalkboard almost for me like it's it's just a little too intense i like rock and this is a little little more than i would probably normally dip my toe in it's pushing uh the envelope for those of us who are not in a certain um i i want to say heart space if that makes any sense if you're listening to this you'll know what i mean i think but metal music is so amazingly joyful it's a way of being able to unpack stuff that you can't unpack any other way. And when you release it at that volume, at those tempos with that kind of power, what happens next is that that empty space is just flooded with joy. And that's an amazing aspect, not only of metal, but hip hop will do the same thing. Hip hop is a fantastic way of releasing anger. And when you do that, you get all the brain chemistry, you know, that you're missing when you're all locked up in anger and angst. It just comes flooding into you. I did a study in Australia, I think, about metal, and they found they, they actually have measurements on this stuff. They can tell you, you know, down to the brain chemistry involved, exactly what's going on with people who love metal. And uh, I, I love that stuff. It's just amazing to me, right? So, so we have churches, we have concerts, and at concerts, people get very enthusiastic and up and going and stuff like that. Uh, I know you, you, you mentioned some other technologies that people use. Uh, you think of music as medicine is there's a phrase, a related phrase that laughter is the best medicine. You're suggesting music right. is, but laughter is the best medicine. How, what, what talk about the relationship between those things? Great question. So the, the idea is getting below the head, right? We can, we can think our way into a lot of stuff and with great respect for psychology and emotional intelligence and all of the other things, mindset, uh, those are great. But when you start to laugh, you're no longer thinking about it, right? I mean, you might process the joke and that triggers you, but anything that brings you below the head and gets you into your heart space, which I like to call it, other people will say there are three brains, the brain, you know, the head brain, the heart brain, and the gut. 
but anything that brings you into that holistic awareness of the of who you are and gets you centered around what matters not what you think matters but what actually matters that's important and a good way of looking at this is relationship so music is relationship right it's singing together with people or it's your relationship with spirit if you're singing on your own it's a relationship to laugh together something has made you laugh whether you've read it or you're hearing it in a in a room it brings people to an openness and a vulnerability that no other kinds of tools do jim and those are the tools we need if we want to build relationship we can't use defensive tools like you're in the wrong mindset for me so this isn't going to work right but music will allow us to get together as what ha as like what happened to you in the metal concert right you were there because of your friend yeah and it transformed some things things changed for you because of that experience um all right let's 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 get down into some like tougher meatier stuff here uh sure. you are suggesting that music will work alongside other tools and i'd kind of like to go through some of these things kind of one by one and, and you you know give everybody an understanding of like how music is a plus in these areas uh first sure. psychology oh my gosh there is an actual practice called uh musical psychology where you and your therapist sing your session now clearly this has to work you know for uh musicians this sounds horrifying but i know isn't it terrible for the regular <laughs> it's, it's, i'll tell you what it's horrifying for musicians too it's it's terrible okay but um if you've been in psychotherapy and you've been encouraged to like write with your non-dominant hand or do inner child work singing your session is the same kind of thing it gets you out of your analytic headspace and lets you communicate with something that's deeper and that's something deeper is often where the work needs to take place especially in psychotherapy so getting to that in a hurry music can offer you that sort of on-ramp to be able to get in there and you'll love this too so obviously play a wind instrument it's difficult to do but this is most successful when you also improvise the music to accompany yourself as you sing so think about that for a second oh you know boy. as a keyboard player i could probably do that as a guitar player probably so but uh, anything that gets you into your creative moment is getting you out of your analytical filtered non-vulnerable plays if in fact if i recall correctly on musimorphic.com that's musimorphic.com you have a video that kind of introduces and you're talking about what it is that you do and, and the services that you offer and in there if i'm not mistaken there's a segment where you are working with an audience with kazoos <laughs> So there's some instrumentality for non-musicians, right? Right. Because not everybody's going to sing, right? So if you give them a kazoo, though, <laughs> <laughs> you know, imagine a room full of 300 people, like all playing the kazoo together in unison. It's it's nuts. Okay. So then uh, you can w use music alongside meditation or contemplative prayer. 
Yes. Isn't it crazy that in our quietest moments, our, our mind is still chattering? The monkey mind, I call it. The monkey mind. I have a right? monkey mind. Like there's monkeys literally playing around up there. They're even slinging feces back and forth. They're like, hey, you think about your problems. Right, right. <laughs> We're still here. <laughs> We're still here. Yeah. Come back. Stop, stop trying to shut us up. Yes. We, we have things to say. Uh, connecting that chatter to something that is more heart-centered is often a way of quieting the chatter and opening to what's possible. And uh, if you pray, this you can relate to this. If you meditate, you can relate to this. Uh, it's not about stopping it all. It's about allowing it all. And instead of allowing the thoughts... Wait, 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 wait. What does that mean? It's not about stopping it all. It's about... Allowing it all. What does that so, mean? So the idea behind meditation is to like stop the thoughts, like quiet the mind. Yes. And that's true. That's part of it. And the idea about contemplative prayer, prayer is about connecting, perhaps, um, to something, to a higher power. Okay. To a deeper sense, right? So the two of them kind of have part of it, right? But how can you do this? Well, what I like to do is when I'm trying to meditate, like the trying to meditate, right, mm -hmm. is to introduce a melody without words, just some melody I happen to know. And when I do that, I immediately drop into a creative place and out of a chatter place. Um, for example, there's a really lovely um, rendition of the Lord's Prayer that I learned as a kid. And when I think of the Lord's Prayer, often it comes with the melody connected to the words. And when you're connecting thought and emotion that deeply, it opens you to a new kind of potentiality that you don't have when you're just trying to think your way into meditation or think your way out of it or think your way into prayer or out of it. It engages love. And as we both know from the Bible, God is love. And if you can get to that love space, you're doing it right, whatever you call it. You know, I relate to this uh, on two levels. Uh, I'm a Tai Chi instructor. So my monkey mind never shuts off, but there's nights when I've gone out to teach my class where Susie's practically pushing me out the door, metaphorically speaking, like, get out of here, go to class. And I'm like, I got like these 10 things to do and this couldn't come along at a worse time of my day. And it's not that I don't love the people that I'm teaching because I do, I, they're fantastic. Uh, and I don't want to be there. And I'm right into the warmups and I still don't want to be there. But when you start moving, when you start doing that, med that that moving meditation, that's what worked for me. I yeah. couldn't sit there and do the own thing that my mind would would not allow me to do that. But body movement con uh, alongside my meditation worked. And then right. I can take this a second level and I can actually bring in music here, what you're talking about. I'm a writer. That's actually my trade. My real trade in life is that I sit and I write. And I, I you know, most of the time these days it's memos, uh, strategy and stuff like that, or it's editorials, but I write. And uh, that communication, like if I got a real problem to solve and I want to get into a flow state, then I turn on music and I have a couple of go-tos that I go to it, and, and you say wordless, but to me, wordless means I know the words so well, I don't need to pay attention to them anymore. Yeah. Well, that'll, that'll work too. Cause it's in you already. Right. Right. And so if I'm listening to a song that isn't going to distract me, it actually right. maximizes my productivity. And I would actually argue that it distracts the monkeys. Like they're, they're off with the music. And now my brain can focus 
it needed that little extra bit of just the right distraction to help me be creative at that moment to yeah. solve a problem. That's right. Get you out of your monkey mind and into your creative space. So I, and I imagine that most people can relate to the two things I just described. I mean, I, a lot of people, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people probably could practically grab onto that. Uh, mindset. You said that uh, it can work alongside mindset. Sure. Uh, thinking your way into a solution is, is valuable. Uh, we've been doing that since the Enlightenment. But one of the other things that we have not been so good about is feeling our way into a solution. But that, by that, I mean intuition. And uh, what we would call having you know, a glass of lemonade on the porch. Oftentimes, we get into a mindset that says that we're right. And that shuts off the relationship that we need, especially if we're solving problems. And you know, there's nothing wrong with having a, a, you know, a, a, a practically good mindset. There's nothing wrong with going in a direction that is best practices based. You know, those are great things. But other mindsets exist, as we know from politics, and mm -hmm. those mindsets don't necessarily serve to advance the conversation in a way. So mindset is great, but getting everybody into the same one is a challenge. So because music works below the level of the mind, if we can combine our energy, our willingness, our creative intention around a common intuition, a common creative goal, uh, a common creative opportunity, and we can open ourselves up to that potential by using the music we love to get us to that place, that will help bubble up into the head brain in a place where we can then agree to work together in a much more efficient way than if we just, you know, st stood on our own mindsets, whatever they are. So the unification, possibly the relationship, possibility that exists there around music, is that be a one very of the powerful things, thing. Is that one of the things that's happening in a church service? You know, you don't know it, but yes, it is. So the obviously everybody entrains around the beat during worship. Sometimes we entrain around the words, but oftentimes I can sing the words because I know them so well and it doesn't really get me in the way that the beat does. But this idea of physical entrainment is an important one. Yeah, happens in metal concerts too. But I mean, I'm saying like, okay, everybody's coming and, I, and I've noticed that the pattern is hardly ever the sermon and then the music. Right. It's almost always the music and then the sermon. And then there are in the, in the uh, more conservative parts of the evangelical world, there are, and I can't think of the name of the, uh, the, 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 the domination, but they're just the subject of a recent movie that was pretty successful in the theaters. It's not coming to me right now. Greg Laurie is a part of it. Um, or oh, that the, direction. Yes. The evangelical vineyard, vineyard, called, the yeah. vineyard, the Jesus the vineyard. movement and then vineyard. Yep. Right. They go on and on and on with the music. Like the music actually is the dominant part of the gathering and it even has a cadence to it. Right. Yep. That leads you into that state where you're ready now to kind of receive the message. So this is all physical entrainment, right? This is all like well-tested well psychology. It is. Uh, we musicians are master manipulators. And when we program a concert, <laughs> we do it intentionally, right? We take people on the you know, Oh, I love that. It's Think about the last concert you went to, the metal concert or whatever, but you'll recognize there's an arc to it and that the arc rises and falls very intentionally to sort of soften you up and then bring you up and then let you down. And finally, you'll get to a climax. Uh, this whole notion of the, the story arc the, that you can see in movies uh, exists in music as well. And it, it's, it, it's purposeful. It's absolutely purposeful. Right, and the vineyard more, understands how to do that. One more thing now, emotional intelligence. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's, we're going to combine that too. Now that's a, a tool for emotional intelligence. Isn't that such an oxymoron? Emotions are not something you think about. The emotion happens first. And the practice of emotional intelligence, which I say with great respect for the people who have been doing this, it's been very, very helpful, but it's sort of like squashing the emotions that come to us. So uh, I don't want to say anger management out loud, but there I just did. But the whole <laughs> notion that we can you know, control what we feel uh, is not the point. The point is that we feel what we feel and we can use that. But instead of bottling it up, which is bad psychological practice, if we can find a way to let the emotions come and inform what we're doing, and here's a sort of a hat tip now to emotional intelligence, they're getting there. If we can let our anger inform what we think, if we can let our fear inform what we think, we're doing a better job of it than if we just stuff it, right? If we stuff it down, we're never gonna get there. Uh, we can see uh, the results of stuffing our anger and stuffing our fear when they leak out in riots and protests. And uh, we just did an episode about the Hong Konger. Uh, suppressing those feelings is not gonna work. It's just not. Uh, it doesn't work on the individual level, doesn't work on the policy level. And it really doesn't work on the, uh, the level of state oppression. It's not going to work. And instead, coming to the table, having a glass of lemonade. So what musimorphic can do is to give you a way, a, a method, a processable, repeatable way of dealing with what people call negative emotions to mine the fuel that's in them and let that come to the table in a way that is productive. In fact, more productive than if you left it stuffed. Okay. Um, you're, you're obviously looking to stoke the creative process too. Sure. And you would like to do it. You know, we talk on here on this show uh, all the time and we're sharing my perspective, you know, for the most part here um, on how we can get extend grace and address social concerns. And, I, you know, there's been a recent call. Uh, people will recognize these terms. Uh, they tend to be lightning terms. I'll be interested to see how you respond to them. Uh, but uh, we see people talking about social justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. It's very much part of the, the discussion that we have going on right now. How does the musician contribute to those things? You know, we've talked about Daryl Davis here before. Mm -hmm. uh, musician, piano player. I suspect that part of the reason that his early success happened was because he was able to relate to people who were not like him, radically not like him, in a musical environment. That's and fascinating. Then, no, 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 wait a minute. Hold on. I'm sorry. I know you're getting started on something, but that's fascinating. Right? So the it, 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 and it is an interesting, like almost paradox that racists just flat out, okay, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, like clans people. Yes. Love the blues which is black music through and through it's African music. Right. Yep. And it's brought in in kind of a country setting, you know, kind of stewed in, in, in the slavery and Jim Crow South. Right. And then it, it comes out and, and these are people who say, well, you know, we need to be separate the races, right. At a minimum, maybe we don't even like black people, but this is what Daryl plays. And this opens a door. It opens the door. So if you can connect with someone around music, which remember is mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual, you've just made a mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual connection to that person. 
And your relationship starts off in a much different way than if you had just gone up to that person and say, you know what, the clan really doesn't resonate for me. <laughs> you know, and, and kept it on a level that is uh, more argumentative. But starting with the relationship. So when you look at all of these trigger words, these social justice trigger words, we've seen the results of the policy approach to this. We've got to be more inclusive. So we're going to have this many of this and this many of that and whatever. And we're going to, and this is the policy in the company now. So go out there, managers, and fix it. Well, that's not going to work. It just doesn't work at the policy level, but it works at the relationship level. And if you look at companies where inclusivity is already happening, or if you look at uh, Daryl Davis as an example of someone who practices it daily, you'll find out that it's all about relationship. And as we talked about with Daryl, like music can do that. If music can do that for Daryl, why can't it do that for company X that's got an inclusivity issue, right? Maybe it's a cultural thing, but getting below the level of, uh, you know, the imposed policy and getting back to relationships, not something real companies are, they don't really you know, they do that. That's not their thing, but people do. And if you can enliven a person to do that, you won't need the policy. Interesting. So it's I, I love this. It's a way around the policy. And you just sparked another thought. Uh, you, chances are you've addressed this before, either in your discussions with with Chris Noble on discussions in music healing and, co and consciousness, or you know maybe it's part of the coursework that you're doing. I had this radical idea. I was listening to you talk just now, and that is, you know, they say it at your family gatherings to avoid discussions of politics and religion, right? But I had a fascinating conversation with my brother-in-law and my wife and, and my sister-in-law's husband at a family gathering a few years ago about what I, I raised the question, what rock album or what album, just pick an album. Can you sit through and listen from beginning to end? And you think the whole thing is awesome. Like there's not a bad or a, or a drop it cut in there. Like you're just going to go from start to finish. Like meatloaf bad out of hell happens to be one of them. Like you can go straight through on that one. Okay. Boston has an album where they missed by one song, in my opinion, like you can like, so we start having a conversation. What is that album for you? Right. And everybody got all charged up about this conversation. So I'm, I guess the radical idea is, is, is our music discussions. This is an actual playing of music, but is music discussions, the discussions that bind, is that a way, should we, should the rule be mother always said, talk about music at the table? What a great idea. Yes. You can get there on one song, like we were talking earlier about metal music. When I understand somebody through their music, I understand them in a way that I can't understand them through their words, through what they've written, um, often through their actions. The externals of that person are not important in the conversation around music. It's an authentic conversation and, and it's a vulnerable conversation. And people will take you know strong positions for the music that they love but when when we're listening to it jim is where it comes home so if you were to put on the songs and watch as the other person who loves them listens to them you as a human being would grok the other person in a way that you can't get unless you are doing music together you can watch this happen on stage with bands you know you can watch how bands interact on this it's so cool but anyone can do it because that's how we're equipped we're all wired this way and, you know, neurologists will talk about mirror neurons and all this other stuff, and that's fine. But why aren't we doing this, especially with people that, you know, we, we don't see eye to eye with? 
why don't we listen to music together? You know, it's interesting. I teach Tai Chi, and this is also related to, to, to the band point you just made. There are certain types of physical contact. We all need physical contact. There are certain types of physical contact that are inappropriate in certain settings, right? Like the, the, the people I work with, I do not comment even about how they look or, uh, you know, seek to touch them. Like, I don't want to do that, right? But in my Tai Chi class, you know, I'm with, uh, with the majority of my students are female. Like we have physical contact all the time. There's stuff happening right in the course of that. And you just brought up the band on stage. They are a band on stage does things physically. They're physically touching each other and doing stuff that they would not do if they were at the restaurant or sitting down to have a business meeting or like they're not going to, it's, it's a completely, there's like an environment and the fans, I think, start to do things that they wouldn't necessarily do right in that setting while the music's playing. Like there's an experience that's happening there that says, okay, in this particular place, it's okay for us to touch one another. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the sound of our voices, the sound of the music that we make is one of the most intimate ways that we can touch each other. And the sound of a voice when it touches your eardrums is touching one of the most sensitive places in the human anatomy that it can possibly touch. And we're very sensitive there. Uh, we know by the vibrations alone, not by the content of the words, but we know by the vibrations alone, whether we're in safety or whether we should be in fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. Could you do me a favor? Talk a little bit about vibration. Cause I know that you know, some of your more recent episodes that you've been doing with Chris, and I'm sure this also comes into, to the therapeutic as applications that, that there's, there's certain vibrations and there's certain rhythms and there's different stuff going on that does I mean, we talked about the subjective, you know, certain favorite songs and everything earlier, but there are there is an effect that's going on there. There, there certainly is. So uh, we've gotten very technical here in our recent years about vibration and the the reach for a higher vibration. You know, hear people saying, "Well, you're vibrating at a higher frequency," you know, mm -hmm. than so and so. Well, I, I think that's a interesting way of of sort of uh, eliding what's going on with a scientific measurement. The frequency is basically a measurement of how many times something vibrates per second. And uh, based on the number of times, you get a different pitch, you get lower pitches versus higher pitches, right? So 40 hertz, which is actually supposed to be a pretty good uh, number of hertz, a vibration for memory. There's, there's some studies that suggest that 40 hertz is helpful for retaining our memories as we age, uh, is a pretty low vibration to do something that powerful as opposed to a higher number of hertz, 528 hertz, for example, is supposed to be the love vibration. And that's fine, great, cool. But you know, you don't just listen to these vibrations in isolation. Mm -hmm. Music is about how you combine them and how they move together and what the rhythm of them is and their relative loudness or softness compared to other things. And if there are words, how they combine with the words. And you know, there's so much more that goes in. We mentioned the, uh, the story arc, like the journey that you go on through a piece of music. And all of those things go into the power, to use a word, of the music that you happen to choose. So a, a hyper-focus on, you know, the dots on the map kind of misses the picture of the journey, if you will. They're important. Um, Chris and I recently did an episode about John Lennon's Imagine, which is a powerful piece of music. And it's uh, supposed to be, you know, in the love frequency, 528 hertz. Mm -hmm. Well, the love frequency is a tiny little slice of, of how much sound is in that particular piece of music measured in hertz it's a tiny little slice so there must be other factors to it and um just identifying one particular frequency and saying that's love uh, seems to be a very uh, narrow focus uh, 
when you consider the impact of a song like Imagine has had on the world. Um, let's uh, have a little fun for just a second. Sure. And maybe this will be helpful fun. I'd like to know some of your favorite songs. I'd like to know them for certain situations, okay? So do you have an actual, before we get into the specifics, and uh, uh, do you have a favorite song? Oh, gosh. I have, I've gone so far as to have favorites by genre, but it really depends on the situation. So I have, as you've suggested, songs identified that I need in particular situations to be able oh, well, to- Oh, I want to get to a couple of those, help. but let's just yeah. do a general, like if we're hanging out with Bill, what kind of music are we likely to hear? Yeah. Like what is, what is, and, and where, like, what are your circumstances where you grab this, grab that. So you said by genre, genres probably have something to do with the mood you're in. So give us a couple of genre specifics. So uh, recently, and this changes almost daily, um, I found an Icelandic composer, musician, singer, songwriter, he doesn't sing in English, named Sigur Ross. And his work is phenomenal. It is incredible what he's able to do. Iceland is, is a hotbed right now for new leading edge. I almost don't want to call it rock, but it seems like that's sort of the overarching ethos there. And this music is transportive. It just, I don't know what, how it works. Because I don't understand the words, right? It just takes me away. Um, I get to do a lot of work with people where they suggest songs and we listen to them together. And um, oftentimes it'll be something that I know. Uh, a particular piece of music that hits me right now is from a science fiction movie called The Arrival. And it's Max Richter. I think it's called something about daylight. Well, I heard that the other day, Jim, and I just wept. It was it just caught me by surprise. Uh, on the... Uh, Oh man, what is the title of it, Bill? On the essence of daylight, something like that. People, you can search for it; you'll find it. Okay. Um, if you think talked about it, imagine, we you can know, even I love, throw it in the show notes if you want. I'll throw it in the show notes. I mean, this can go on and on. I, I love to play ragtime. Yes, you actually do play ragtime and you actually yeah. talk about this in the video, like ragtime is, and it's something that's been with you like since the beginning almost, right? Oh, yeah. You discovered this all the way back in college, high school. Well, I was 12 when the sting 12. came out. Yeah. Remember that Paul Newman yes. and Robert Redford yes. and music yes. by Scotch Opera. The Entertainer. And, yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. And all of a sudden I was able to play this stuff and people wanted to hear it, which is the first, you know, for okay, a class. Time out, time out. And one thing, let's just go down a tiny rabbit trail. Yeah. You're in junior high, so this is ballpark what what year? Oh, gosh. I think it would be like 73. When did the sting come out? 72 or 3? Okay. And so you start playing. You're on a trip, if I remember the story correctly, with other students. And you got some downtime. You got some free time, right? Is this how it yeah. goes? Yeah. And... Oh, no. Okay. So this is a little later. This is up in um, – this is college now. Yeah. Okay. But you just start playing ragtime music. Yeah. which is not something that they're probably listening to any other time. No. But you just sit down and there's a piano there. And what happened? Well, you know, the the room kind of combined, I coalesced. And yeah, the music was novel. You know, it's something people hadn't heard before. But I got to play some other music as well, and obviously ragtime. But I, I think I was on a trip in England and I was traveling with a college group of Americans and I started to play some patriotic music, some music that was UK patriotic music. And the atmosphere in the room just changed. And 
we all felt, I think, in a place where we, were, we became more vulnerable and more open. And I looked around partway through and uh, a lot of us were in tears. We were just, we were lonely. You know, we were missing home. A bunch of college kids missing home. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, for work, you're trying to be more productive. What's a, what's a go-to? Oh man, I, so I love metal, right? Anything that's got a beat that really drives me uh, helps to get my system running. And that's a good thing. Uh, for inspiration, oftentimes though, I'll go in quiet. Uh, if I need to create, I'll, I'll often just go silent and allow the silence around me to uh, to carry the inspirational moment. M music has been said as a preparation for silence, like yoga is a preparation for meditation. Mm -hmm. So uh, oftentimes uh, turning it off allows, you know, after I've amped myself up, turning it off allows me to tap in to the creative insight that I need. I'm smiling because I know my favorites here in this area too. Yeah, yeah. As people are listening, they can start to fill in their own blanks. Because if you think about this, you hadn't thought about it before. Maybe you weren't aware that you were giving yourself therapy through music, right? Right, right. Uh, more serious subject, depression. What's it so go to? So my theme about? song is uh, Desperado for that. Okay. It's it's incredible. It just, I, I don't know if any other song that, gonna, that captures it that well. So you're going to get off the fence, Bill, and, and you know, man up and do what you need to do here. Musimorphic.com. People can come and check out you uh, what you do. Uh, what kind of problems, Bill, do you help? Like what's on the list? Yeah, good question. Uh, integration is a new one. There's a lot of people who are doing psychedelic journeys these days. And oftentimes in a clinical setting, the clinical setting, it's about fixing things. But with psychedelics, you open your mind and your heart at the same time. And if you're not ready for that, oftentimes you can miss the real opportunity, which is to integrate what you experience in a way that brings it into your practical scene. And music is a great way of doing that, connecting music with those insights or downloads or whatever you call them uh, in, a, in a process methodical way can help you implement the results of your psychedelic journey way beyond the fix that you went there for. So that's a good one. Uh, there are all kinds of applications. We talked about the social ones. Uh, I call it S Jedi. Thank you to a good friend who's in the military for that social justice, equity, diversity, inclusion. Um, this goes below the surface on that, but it definitely, definitely helps there. Um, I still get to work with people who are in recovery from, from addiction, who are looking for sobriety. Uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for integration as well. And then we do things that are interesting things uh, culturally, like changing corporate cultures. Uh, that's a, a brand new endeavor, but we're sort of topping out on culture change. The tools that we have have brought us where we are and look where we are. I mean, if you look around the corporate environment these days, it's not great. So we need to do something to get beyond that. And uh, culture change is a good one. And then the last one that I love is where I got started is in memory care. The idea of people who have to have a relationship with their caregiver but can no longer remember how to do that uh, is some is a place where music is invaluable because music can bring people alive. And even those in, who in, in plain English, you're talking about people who have dementia or Alzheimer's. Dementia, Alzheimer's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, forming a relationship around music is one. Uh, first of all, people who are in memory they, care because they don't do forget the songs. Don't forget the songs. Yeah, they don't forget like they're the in songs there. that they knew from their youth or whatever. Those songs are always there. It's, it, yes, they might not even be able to tell you what day of the week it is or what year it is or know your name. But holy cow, that's that thing's still there. They can it's sing the song. And if you share that with someone, just like we're talking about with Daryl Davis sharing with the KKK, 
if you can share music with someone, you can have a relationship with them in a way that goes beyond language, but is very, very much about understanding. And in some cases, it even turns them back on for a few minutes, right? Like they they click again. Yeah. They come alive. And that's actually a documentary. You can see it called Alive Inside out there. It's on YouTube. That shows what happens when people who are deeply affected by Alzheimer's or dementia hear music again. It's so moving. Wonderful. And and there, uh, what specific? I'm going to give you a chance to pitch before we go. Sell Musimorphic. What is it you provide? Why should people sign up? What will they get? Great question. A uh, why Musimorphic? Uh, I have yet to find anything, Jim, and I've looked. Believe me, that can get below the hood like this. That can unlock our human ability to connect, to bond, to find empathy to be vulnerable and invite a connection, a relationship uh, in any way that's better than music. Maybe they're out there, I don't know. If anybody you know knows of one, write in, tell me about it. And that's kind of what keeps me going because I've seen this work. If, if there's a pitch that's associated with this, it's something that's been set up by COVID, by everything that's going sort of wrong in the world right now. And it's really not me so much as everyone saying there must be a better way. There must be a better way to do what we have to do, whatever that is. It's fixing the economy or fixing dinner. There must be a better way. How can we do that? What tools are available to us? We need them. And all of us come with music built in. We all respond to vibration. We all respond to the sounds around us, to the rhythm around us, and in very positive ways. And it influences us. I called it manipulation, but it influences us. And being able to control that influence helps us to control what we can do with it and what we can do with everything else that we're already doing. So clearly I, I come across as a teacher. I teach people that and guide people on their journeys. Uh, it looks like a consulting engagement in many ways because it can last a while. But I have an online gamified environment where I, this can be learned. And I'm saying this can be learned because it's actually you rediscovering what you already know and learning how to integrate that discovery with your life. We, you know, As babies, we did this. And we spent all of our lives up until now um, undoing that, but it's in there. And so watching people when they get that, and when the lights come on, that's the reward of doing this work. Bill, thank you so much for sharing this with me today. I feel like I understand you a bit better and I hope our audience uh, understands a bit better that this is, here's a tool, a tool of grace, a tool to open doors, create conversations, understand and cross divides uh, uh, with between others, which is what we usually talk about here, but maybe even inside yourself to be able to connect some things that are disintegrated right now. You can check out musimorphic.com. That's M-U-S-I-M-O-R-P-H-I-C. We'll put it in the show notes, musimorphic.com. I encourage you to go visit, check it out. Bill, thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you, Jim. I wouldn't be anywhere else. Grace. Grace.